0: Well, friends, this year we have decided to take a deeper dive into remembering who we are and what we believe as united. And I want us to focus on that word as much as well, as united Methodists and who follow in the Wesleyan tradition. On last Sunday, we baptized and welcomed baby brazen into the household of faith. And on last Sunday, we shared a message about what we as Methodists believe about baptism. That in Christ, we become children of God through faith. A faith in which his parents and family have covenanted, have promised to raise the baby brazen into. In baptism, we are adopted into the family of God and we're given a new name, new identity that transcends all socially constructed, all socially derived identities. Paul says no longer Jew nor Greek, male or female, slave or free. We're all one in Christ Jesus. Wesley believed that God's grace is always, always at work in our lives. Even before we say yes to God, God says yes to us. Thanks be to God. This particular movement of grace, Wesley called prevenient grace. That is the grace that goes before. That is the grace that goes before we ever said yes. That is the grace. Wesley says that God is orchestrating, putting people in your lives, wooing you so that at that time you might be able to say yes to a relationship. But God says yes to us before we even are aware of God's great love for us and that we can in turn know our love for God. For Wesley, God's grace is an ongoing presence and power in our lives, all of our lives, also making us right with God and and enabling us to love and live Jesus' commandment, the greatest commandment, which is to love God with everything you got and to love others. And it is that love for God and for others with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength that we speak about today. So you saw that video of a very good friend of mine, the Reverend Susan Henry Crow, at one point in time, dean of chapel at Emory University, and just this past conference year in June, she retired after 44, I think, years of ministry. And she retired as a general secretary of church and society. In the video, you heard Susan say that that social holiness is unique to Methodism. That Wesley said there is no religion that is not social, no, no holiness that is not social. To be more exact, you should hear his words. He said, solitary religion, holy solitaries, is a phrase no more consistent with the gospel than holy adulterers. I kind of like the way he says it. In other words, you can no more be a Christian by yourself. That is not consistent with the gospel than saying holy adulterers. The gospel of Christ knows of no religion but social, no holiness but social. Faith working by love is the length, breadth, depth, and height of Christian perfection. It is what it means and looks like to be a saved person in the world, saved by Christ. In other words, it's not just about your private faith and your personal relationship with God. You know, people say, I have a personal relationship. But, baby, your personal relationship ought to manifest out here in the world with the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. What good is it to keep your faith all to yourself or to house it in the walls of the church? Your religion And your love for God and the love that God has for you ought to be shared, to be offered to others. Our God is a social God. Our God created us for relationship with God and with others. And how can we love someone with whom we are not in relationship, whether that is with God or with others? You know what 1 John says, right? 1 John who describes the social nature of holiness, right? 1 John says, the writer of 1 John says, now really, how can you say that you love God whom you have never seen and not love your brother or your sister? You see every day. Oh, folks will say you are lying, the truth ain't in you, because that's the truth of God. How you gonna say you're gonna love that you love God? I love the Lord. I love, but I can't stand Sister So-and-so. I love the Lord, but you know, Brother Bob gets on my last nerve. I love the Lord, amen. But I cannot speak to so-and-so. When Wesley said that holiness is social, we believe he meant that the depth of our love for God is and should be revealed by the way or that we love those whom God loves. If God loves sister so-and-so, well, baby, I got news for you. You got a lover too. We don't always have to like us, but we have to love. We should love those whom God loves. And I'm sorry, y'all. God has no distinction. God doesn't hold our prejudices. God loves everybody just like God loves us. And if we love God, shouldn't we do as Jesus did in the world, sowing justice, extending mercy, and bringing about healing? Our holiness is rooted in our having recognized and responded to God's invitation for relationship. That is provenient grace. When we repent and confess that we are sinners, we are made right with God and before God. That is justifying grace, the grace that justifies us and sanctifying grace a part of wesley's way of salvation is the grace of god restoring god's image in us as the holy spirit roots out more and more of the sin that the world has put in us the holy spirit perfects us in love enabling us cuz it is going to be hard to love so and so in my own strength i need the holy spirit To love her as Christ loves her. To love each other as Christ loves us. The Holy Spirit must come in and clean us up constantly because you know we leak a little bit. Amen. So the Holy Spirit has to keep pouring the love and grace of God in us again and again so we are more than filled up to overflowing that we might bless others. Rooting out the sin in us. Wesley would say that through sanctifying grace, sin may remain, but it does not reign, it does not rule, because the more we allow the Spirit in, the more the Spirit can do in us and through us. This holiness of head and heart that happens in us is for a purpose, and it's not just personal. It's not just personal but social, it is for the world. Love is supposed to accomplish a good in the world, isn't it? And it ought to look like God, amen. It ought to look like something of God. Love, our love and faith in Jesus and his love for us ought to be visible. People ought not have to figure out that you love Jesus, amen. It ought to be evidence, should be tangible should manifest in our lives and in the lives of others the two scriptures for today may appear to be at odds with each other on the one hand in ephesians paul says we are justified by we are saved by faith through faith in jesus christ and our salvation is a free gift from god we don't deserve it. We can't earn it. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That proves God. it's just a gift. You just got to deal with it. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. Gift. In this gift, we remember what we used to be. When I was working on this, I was remembering, um, I used to like the show Murphy Brown. <laughs> and there was this one episode, do y'all remember Vice President Dan Quayle? I am not going to make a political joke. But I remember him saying in response to this one sitcom, One, I'm thinking, you are talking about a TV show, this is not real, you know that right? Okay. I, I, was, I was about to slide into a comment. But, but he talked about he and his wife Marilyn that they were not like the others. They did not drop out in the drug culture, and he's listing all this stuff. And he made it sound as if he were perfect. Like he, as if he never did anything wrong, that he'd always been good. Well, if you've always been good, you don't need God, huh? Eh? and the truth is that we are all sinners, I don't care how good you've been, I don't care if you went to church your entire life, we are all sinners, all, all, all that's what the Bible says, all, and if I don't know how you understand all, but all me, everybody, everybody, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God everybody was birthed into sin, so I don't care how good you think you and I are I don't care how many degrees you have we are all sinners Need of grace. Amen. Everybody. Amen. People telling you what they did. I'm telling you, we need to talk about what God does. When we remember what we used to be, and some of us know we used to be a hot mess. Amen. Amen. <laughs> us have a story and we don't want to tell it. Amen. Amen. We, we want the Lord to let us keep it on the down low. Amen. Amen. Lord, don't make me tell that. Okay. When well, we remember how we used to live that once, and that's what that text is, Ephesians. We, once we were not a people. Once we were far off. Once we were enemies of God. In rebellion and disobedience because of sin. Once we had no hope, we could not save ourselves. We couldn't fix ourselves. We couldn't make ourselves right. Paul says the good I want to do, I don't do it. I know to do it. And that which I don't want to do and I know is wrong, I do that and I do it a lot. Right? Right? We remember, but now, some of us need to remember our before and our now, this is a holy makeover, amen, that's what the Spirit of God does, we have a holy makeover. We may look the same on the outside, but there is a transformation happening on the inside. But now we know that in Jesus Christ, God has brought us near. Now we know that we are the head and not the tail. Now we know that we are more than conquerors. Now we know. Now we know the depth, the height, the extent of God's love. Now we are a people. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Amen. Now we know ourselves as gods. And here's the thing: don't we want others to know too? Right? Said folk aren't just supposed to sit and be satisfied. You know that old hymn, I am satisfied. I am satisfied with Jesus, but the question comes to me, as I think of Calvary, is my master satisfied? Of sit and be satisfied well I'm saved I got mine amen some church folk that's how they I got mine they better get theirs excuse me you got yours by somebody's help because if we are saved then we need to remember that we are saved for a purpose and it's for God's purpose and not our pleasure Genuine faith means that we should actually be loving our neighbors as ourselves. And the Bible says, for God so loved the world that God gave. Okay, so here we see a reality that love is action-oriented. You can't just say you love me in abstract and do nothing. If we love our neighbors, then it would mean that the same good news, the same good news of God's mercy, the same good news of God's love in Jesus Christ, the same good news that says, I will love you forever, I will not forsake. That same good news that blessed us, that transformed us, we should be experienced by others. should want to bless other people with the same blessing that has really changed our lives. We would want other people to experience the same love and grace and mercy, to know themselves as children of God, to know that there is nothing, absolutely, positively nothing, that can separate them from the love of God. We should want that. We should not want anybody to die and go to hell. We should not want anybody to live their lives apart from God's. We should, no. Our faith ought to matter and make a difference in and to our lives, but it should also make a difference in the lives of somebody else, and not just your family. If we have been, if we are being transformed, and, and transformation is a process, an ongoing process for Wesley. If we're being transformed, changed on the inside, then I'm here to tell you it ought to manifest itself, be evident on the outside. I don't think you can be a secret agent Christian. Remember, yeah. secret agent man, secret giving you a number. Taken away and no, you can't gonna be undercover Christian, amen. In disguise, incognito. Yes, yeah, some of us are incognito as um, we, we're really wolves in sheep clothing, amen. Inner transformation ought to have some outward demonstration. For James, God's grace ought to prompt us, move us, propel us. You just can't sit if you got the God's Spirit up in you. Ah. Uh, 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 I don't believe it. You can't just sit and be satisfied. Now, the spirit will constantly come and say, Hey, let's go do this. Hey, let's do this. And you go, no. Spirit says, hey, let's go do this. No. Spirit says, "Hey, come, on, let's serve." No, you know I don't like them. You know how they are. You know how they treated me. You know what they did to my mama. You know how they talked to my daddy. You know I don't know what they're doing that money. Uh, so after a while, we talk back to the spirit so that the spirit ceases to talk, speak to us. Spirit can't get a word in as wise, amen, because we're too busy telling the Lord what they did, amen, and the Lord's just like, well, what about what I did for you, amen? All right. All right. That's right. We murmur and complain. The Spirit of the Living God, which is goodness, mercy, love, the Spirit of God, should Move us. We have to be, but we have to be obedient and cooperate with the spirit. Amen. The spirit's power, the spirit's presence ought to be evident in the way we talk, the way we think, and in how we love. has brought a change on the inside of us then there's got to be evidence on the outside James consistently tries to help his listeners see the relationship between their believing and behaving to connect what they confess to believe with how they actually live. When I was in South Africa um, doing some doctoral research, I interviewed Peter's story, and he ended up coming here and being um, on faculty at Duke University. He was the bishop of Johannesburg at the time, and 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 he's since passed away. I think his son is at Duke now, and and. Peter Story said that maybe we, and I'm believing he means Methodists, or maybe just means Christians in general, that maybe we avoid the doctrine of holiness because it refuses to remain a doctrine and insists on being a discipline. It demands that we not only be believers, but behaviors. It requires that holiness become not just a pious hope of the soul, but a daily habit of the heart. In other words, we can't just be hearers of the word and not doers. Craig Costner in his commentary on the text says that people may want to reduce faith to a series of statements that they profess to believe. But for James, real faith, genuine faith is operative in a person's life. We can't just be holy for holiness sake, but for the love of God. For love's sake. My friend and colleague Meg took her confirmation class to, um, and sometimes we do this during confirmation, we'll take them to different churches, different faith traditions. And she took uh, her class to the synagogue, where the rabbi said, we engage in deeds over creed. You see, the way we live our life, we want to embody, it needs to be an embodied reminder, a witness to what we believe because we know the world is watching what we see, what they see. Our faith cannot rest on words, whether we recite them, record them, or read them. I don't care how many times you recite the affirmation of faith. It still needs to be embodied, to be lived, to be experienced by somebody else. So if you believe Jesus is Lord and Savior, well, how are you helping others know it? If the truth be told, we live what we believe. Do you remember that, um, that poem? A child learns what he lives. Do you remember that poem? If a child lives with criticism, right? If a child lives with anger, if we live merely with words, then there will be no deeds. We believe. That's right. Our heads may say that, that things ought to happen, but if we really believe it, if we really believe that we were called, that if we're sent apostolic, right? If we really believe, Jesus said, Go, go, go make disciples, right? That's what, thats go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I am with you always, even to, go, amen, if we really believed it, we would live it. The mission of the United Methodist Church is to do what? Make disciples of Jesus Christ for the what? For the transformation of the world. And if we really believed it, we would be living it trying to transform even if it's just our little corner of it. We live what we believe. So let me ask you, what do you believe? In whom do you believe? And then how will you live? Amen? Amen.